Next week, I'm going to be in Vegas. Doesn't that sound like so much fun? What's happening in Vegas? Uh, the APA Nationals. I'm going out to help uh, Jacoby Custom Cues with their booth, which is, this is going to be super Jacoby-based, uh, Jacoby huh? Yeah, yeah. Lots of Jacoby going on. Jacoby doing lots of good things. Yeah. So that's fun. How long are you there for? Till August 14th. <laughs> wow. That's uh that's crazy. Hell. Hell. Is yeah, that the one that's in the Westgate? They're almost all at the Westgate at this point. Uh, I think oh, the, okay. Yeah, I think uh I think well there's there's a million different pool organizations, but the ones that go to Vegas, so VNEA is at uh Westgate, um APA is at Westgate. I, I think I think Ace no ACS I think is at a Tropicana, but I think they're going to Westgate from what I've heard. Uh, BCA, I think, is now at the Westgate. Yeah, that used to be at the Rio, didn't it? Yeah. Was it the Rio that was that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, maybe maybe the BCA is still at the Rio. I don't, I don't know. I say I don't. I don't. I haven't been to the BCA in a couple of years. I I think the BCA. Well, first off, I think the Rio is like the, the shittiest place in the entire world. I think that every it is single like, year, um, casino every from year. Do, isn't it? It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's like every single year you hear these horror stories of like twenty people get the rooms broken into and. You know, that all kind of came to a, a forefront, uh, what was it, two years ago or three years ago when um, the Polish guys got their room broken into and lost like six or $7,000. But oh. it's like, it's just crazy. You remember that? No, you I don't remember that? it. No, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Mieszko Fortunski, Conrad Ustishin, um, uh Victor Zelinski. In fact, Victor, that happened the night before Victor Zelinski went and snapped off the, uh, the, uh, the Vegas Open. Oh, so they didn't steal his cues then? They didn't steal his cues, but they stole like the the money. Mieszko Fortunski woke up in the middle of the night and kind of saw two people and was like, he kind of didn't think anything of it. Uh, so he just rolled back over, just thinking like somebody was get, getting up to go yeah. to the bathroom or something like that. And then, you know, they're still rustling around. So he turns over. He's like, "What's going on?" And uh, like, the, there's like two guys in there, and they just darted out as fast as they possibly could. Yeah. Oh wow. But like th that stuff happens at the real like all the time. Like you hear horror stories of it like Jesus. two, three, four, five, six times a year, and. The, the desk won't do anything. I mean, they, I mean, you got to file a, a police report to get anything. And then, and then they usually don't even give up the security cam footage anyways. So like Mieszko and Conrad and Victor, like they had basically nothing that they could do. They were just, they won't give up the security cam footage. I guess not. They wouldn't do Jesus. anything. Cause ben and Kerry from on board, they had everything stolen from the Mandalay uh, Bay, right? Where? Mandalay Bay, right? Was it not? The one in Atlantic City. Shit, I've been there. I can't even. Oh, was it? Uh, was it at Harris? Harris. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah, I might yeah. have been there. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was for the. It was the U.S. Open. It wasn't the. Um, it wasn't the Moscone Cup. It was the U.S. Open. Yeah. So that would have been yeah. at uh, Harris. And they, they figured out what was happening with that because a few. Um, well, a lot of other people had had stuff stolen, and what was happening was, people were going down to the pool, and you've got to check in at the pool with your room card. Sure. So whenever they were checking in at the pool. One of the pool attendants was texting one of his friends and that person would then bolt up and rob the room while everybody was down at the pool. And that's that's what was happening. Crazy. They still didn't do anything about it, but they knew that's what, what that's what was happening. That's insane. Yeah. Madness. Okay. I'd have to send my wife down to the pool to uh to sign us in and then wait for the guy to come up to my room so I could beat him senseless. <laughs> Good plan. 
I probably need backup. What are you doing? What are you doing later? You gonna help me beat someone up? Yeah, <laughs> might as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's crazy. Uh, but no, I mean the Rio is just terrible. Anyways, I mean, you got like a, it's like the it's like a fifteen dollar hot dog, twenty dollar drinks. It's it's not even worth going to. It's, I hated it there. They're all expensive, right? All of the casinos, but they're the best place for tournaments. I think when you have to play one that's not in a casino, it feels a bit. It's a bit crapper for some reason. I don't know. It doesn't feel the same. Casino yeah, tournaments always yeah. feel better. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. We just kind of chatted a little bit to get started. Uh, we have a pretty light episode today. So everybody who's tuning in, uh, first off, please give the stream a share. Uh, helps us get out there. Simple thing to do. I know that you always have like those uh, those those posts that you make with your friends. It doesn't take much to, to help your friends' small business. Well, we are a small business. Help us out by giving us a share. Right, Chris? Yes. Yes. I never do it, but I never go on my Facebook. I hate it, but thank you for everybody that is sharing it. Yeah, thanks for all the people who are doing the work. So Chris, yeah. is, Chris is on the show. He doesn't even care. Yeah, Have you yeah. ever shared the podcast once in your entire life? I've never, I've, I've, I've never go on Facebook. I hate it. I hate it. I went. I did go into it the other day, and there were like four hundred or something requests, friend requests or something from people I'd never heard of. So I don't know if that's like people trying to scam you or something. I do remember. I do remember at one point in time that I was your only friend on Facebook. That was fun. Good old days. I need to go back to that. Delete everybody else. Just keep you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that was good. In fact, you yeah. made a. I, I, if, I, if I remember, I think you made your Facebook for me, right? Yeah, well, you wouldn't let me play in the the VG10 or whatever it was unless I had a Facebook account. So, well, how the hell do I get? To, how do the hell do I talk to you? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, and I've, I've never had a Facebook account for like however long it's been out—15, 20 years or something—and then yeah, bang. You got so, me into... uh, what's your name on what's your name on Facebook? Just Chris Alexander. Name. Why? Yeah, what Chris shows? Have you got okay. like a nickname or something? Everybody, go over and send him a friend request right now, just to mess with him, just to piss him off. It'll be funny. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It'll get more <laughs> just like the rest of them. <laughs> oh, that's fun. All right. Well, yeah. Give the stream a share. Uh, and we're going to start something new this week. So everybody who's tuning in uh, and who likes onboard gear, I'm wearing an onboard jersey. Well, not jersey jacket, a World Pool Championships jacket. This is made by onboard. Uh, I am wearing one of these right now. We are going to start something new. Give this a try out. This is... Uh, we're going to be doing 15% off for a single range jersey every single week now from here on going forward, at least for the foreseeable future. So this week, we are going to start out with the Alaska range. So as you can see on the stream, uh, this is our Alaska range. You can get 15% off. All you got to do is use the code ALASKA15. We are highlighting there the red jersey, but uh, we have blue, green, pink, gray, and yellow down at the bottom. And uh, any any jersey that you use this for, you can add your name, uh, your your company logos, your sponsors, whatever you want. You can add all of that for free, and it will get six or fifteen percent off this fifty nine ninety five dollar jersey. Uh, all you got to do is use that code Alaska fifteen. So head over to onboardsportswear.us and enter that code in, and you can get any Alaska uh, range for you know fifteen percent off. Fun stuff. And let's go back. I guess I don't know. Let's let's talk about your tournament. You were at uh, you were at the Jacoby Open, right? Yeah, in, and you in had a, and a pretty good finish. You got uh, what fifth through eighth? Yeah, if I remember right. that. Yeah, it was okay. Um, I wanted it to be better, but it was 
didn't play good, so I can't complain. Um, but the tournament is um, the tournament's great. The club that we play in is the best club in the UK, um, and it's uh, McGoldrick's. It's called in Glasgow. If you're ever up in Scotland, pay it a visit. Um, it's a brilliant club. It's run by Jason Shaw's sister and brother-in-law. Um, it's just an unbelievable club. Um, equipment's great, food's great, everything about the place is really, really good. Um, so perfect place to hold a tournament in the UK, really. What's that? How many tables they have? They've only got six at the moment, um, but they are getting more. So they're all uh, six Rasson match tables, um, 4.25 inch pockets, and then the main TV table's four inch, plays a little tougher. Um, but they're going to be getting more, um, apparently, that's the word. Um, so they might have 10 or 12 um, <clears throat> to run bigger tournaments. What are the, so they have just the, the six tables? Do they have any like English eight ball tables? or? Yeah, they've got... Um, it sounds like they have a lot of room in there. What's the rest of the room being taken up with? Yeah, it's um, all English eight ball tables um, and like giant TV sitting area for, you know, having your food, drinks. And they've got two Rasson um, pro snooker tables as well. I had a go on those the other day. They're heated snooker tables uh, with pro cut pockets. That They're a little bit bigger than pro pockets. Um, but yeah, amazing. Uh, all the equipment in there is unbelievable. Wow. How many, how many English eight ball tables? 10 maybe. Okay. So it's, it's a really big room. Yeah. It's, oh yeah. It's a big place. It's, um, it's a big place. All right. Um, and they've got the biggest TV I've ever seen. It's, it's enormous, um, for watching sports on, which is great as well. Um, so yeah, it's a good place. If you're ever up there, definitely have a look. Sure. Well, uh, tell us about your tournament. Uh, looks like you uh, you won five matches in a row and then lost your sixth to Dimitri Jungo. I played equally bad in all of the in all of the matches, um, but I didn't play anyone seeded higher than me until I played Jungo. Um, so I played some tough players, um, but a lot of them are converts from English. If you look at the draw, you'll see there's loads of Scottish. English, just British players in general in the draw. Um, I know they are all converts from English eight ball or um, snooker. Um, so they've all got good backgrounds technically. They're all really good, um, really good potters. Um, it's just the finesse stuff that some of them are missing. Um, but they're all going to keep playing, all of them that I spoke to. So there's going to be more uh, good players coming out of the UK soon. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. I like how you say this like they're all converts, like you're not a convert. <laughs> I am, 100%. <laughs> like you're looking down on them like they <laughs> No, God, no, no, I'm not. No, absolutely not. What no, I said, no, no, I'm just They haven't, um, for some of them, like one of the guys I played, I was talking to him. He'd only started playing American Pool like uh, three months ago. Um, but he could play, like he could really, really play. Um, so, yeah. So out of curiosity, uh, why are, why is, why are all these players converting over now? We've, we've seen it with uh, some snooker players. That, and I think the snooker players, at least the ones that are playing on tour, like the Judd Trumps and the Mark Wilsons, they're not, they're not staying over here. Like they're just kind of, you know, touching their toe in the water. Maybe they want to do something later on in their career when they can't compete on the snooker tour anymore, maybe. But why do you think yeah. everyone's converting over now? Um, it's just got a much higher profile now, doesn't it? It's got a much higher profile. So there are two things. There's the matchroom nine ball stuff that we're attracting loads of new players into. 
And then there's the Joy Chinese 8-Ball stuff exclusively in China, although they're having an event in Vietnam this week. The lots of the pro snooker players are going to as well and the pro English 8-Ball players. So while the, the reason, you know, the matchroom stuff's got great coverage in the UK, the tournaments are easily accessible. The stuff in China has got some crazy, crazy money attached to it. So um, there's options for everybody. Um, you're not going to see any of the nine ball players going on the pro snooker tour but there's uh plenty of routes for those uh snooker players and the english eight ball guys to come into this game or or, or chinese eight ball sure it's uh that's basically why you transitioned over as well basically right you just yeah, see a future in english eight ball and no it's the, the tournaments i'd stopped going i'd only gone to i was going to like one tournament a year although i love pool you know really really love it and i was watching it all the time and whether you know any discipline watching anything really a massive fan of it and really wanting to play but the events were so poor so poor and really bad you know bad venues scheduling was poor didn't get treated particularly well i just didn't like going to them anymore so i'd stopped apart from maybe one tournament a year and then when matchroom said they were going to do the us open um, I signed up that for that immediately. I didn't even have a, I didn't even have a queue. Um, so I ended up going to Vegas with like a pub queue, sawn in half. Um, <laughs> uh, I didn't get any proper equipment for about a year after that. But it, yeah, that's why I switched. That's why loads of other people are switching. I think I remember. Uh, I think I remember sending you a break queue at one point in time, or I was going to send you a break queue. So you didn't even have a break queue. You were using like. <laughs> yeah, you were gonna you were gonna send me one and. Um, there's so many generous people uh, in in the game, uh, and I think we're probably going to talk about it in a, in a bit. The, is David Jacoby just passed? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So he's probably a prime example of how generous people can be um, in the game. But there's lots of generous people offered me equipment. I just couldn't take it. You know, people had offered me cues from different places, and I just didn't really feel like I didn't want to take stuff off people. And then hate it and not use it for respectful so i just even up to today i can't be bothered getting my queue out but it's a piece of crap it's, it's nothing you know um it's just so difficult to navigate your way around all of the equipment that's available in in this game it's too much way too much so what are you playing with it's uh, um it's a predator shaft i got a predator shaft a three one three fourteen, or a, one of those, head, or a Z thing. Where is it? Three fourteen, um, with a. That's all I know about it. a three fourteen. I don't even know what the tip size is. I think they come standard tip size actually. I think um, a twelve five. I think. Okay, that's but that that's that's definitely what it is then. And then but I've I got, think you can get them eleven seven five two. Oh, okay. Uh, um. Well, I don't even know what mine is. Um, and I've got a, I think it's a, it's a, it's a Josh Buck, um, but I've kicked the shit out of it over the last couple of years since I've had it. So it's not in particularly good, particularly good condition. So yeah, uh, not a, not a fan of, <laughs> there's just too much choice in this game equipment wise. It's a minefield. <laughs> People must spend fortunes, you know, like hobby people, they must spend fortunes going through stuff. There's new 
car every time i go on instagram there's like people promoting new carbon shafts and just all sorts of stuff it's just crazy the tip choice there must be a thousand different tip manufacturers out there it's just or tip choices anyway it's just i don't know what's going on it's way too hard to navigate your way around it as a beginner there's a few of them aren't there yeah <laughs> so when are you going to start taking your equipment seriously i am taking it seriously so what what's the difference right Between <laughs> what 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 is the difference right it's a bit of wood with a tip on it as long as it's the right weight and it's the right length for you what's the what's the what's the difference after that it's all in it's your like, head it's like saying every every car has four wheels what's the difference well what is the difference I guess you're from a to b right <laughs> what what, some, what is the difference some more efficiently than others yeah for sure but like it's just a it's just a bit of wood with a tip on it isn't it what's the I don't get what the big deal is. And then I see some of these cues, you see them, people at tournaments, and they've got like diamonds and freaking rhinestones and glitter and shit on them. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it was, I seen a cue a while ago and it was insane. Is it one of the Co brothers has got a. Yeah, he's got a 30, like a $30,000 cue or has something. It got gold or silver in it or something, gold inlays like or something. Coping. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we have you seen some of the cues that Jacoby makes? They're freaking fantastic. They're beautiful. No doubt. Um, and don't get me wrong. Some of the cues I look at, I think they're lovely. You know, they look great. <clears throat> and then I look at some other ones and I think that is horrendous. You know, it's just ugly. There's a pre I think there's a predator. <laughs> there's a predator cue that's got like this big bit of metal going around the bottom of it. Do you know what I'm? Is it a P3 or something? Uh, the, the P3 has the P3 is like a basically like a single line going all the way up through to the joint. And it metal. kind of comes down and wraps around the butt. Uh, does it have metal? It might have metal. Uh, one of the options might have metal. Yeah, but it's just like, why? It's horrendous looking. Stephen Hen uh, does Stephen Hendry not have a thirty pound cue for you? Yeah. Oh, it was cheaper than thirty quid. His mum bought it from a car boot sale. Do you have those in America? Uh, we have like house house sales. No, like car boot sale is where like um, 100 people turn up in their cars with all the crap they don't want from their house. They park in the middle of a field oh. and uh, people come and like buy the crap out of the out of the back of their car. Uh, but that's where he got his cue from, uh, Stephen Hendry. Uh, and that was a piece of crap. He's even said it himself. And so he, yeah, And he plays okay? He did up until he lost his cue funnily enough. And then he got a new one. Um, and he, I don't know if he won a ranking event. After he lost his old one, he might have. Garage sale, that's oh. probably the equivalent, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, garage sales is you just, you, but they're bigger though. Mm. So the garage sales, like you, uh, you basically turn your garage into a shopping center and people come and buy all your shit from there. Yeah. But you yeah. gotta, you gotta, you know, you're not bringing everybody together, of course. You gotta go to everybody's houses. So, yeah. I was thinking about doing that, setting up a garage sale, setting up some onboard gear, maybe some town chalk you know, a little bit of horror tips and just see if anybody wants to come and buy anything. It's a good idea. You're Might always, fun. you're always selling something, aren't you? <laughs> Something's always, I, I'll tell you what, if you saw how much stuff I had lying around my house, it's, it, it would give you anxiety. How much, how much <laughs> stuff I have lying around. You see the posts that I do like where I'm just like, all right, this has been here for two months. I got to get rid of yeah. this. All right. I've had this for four <laughs> months. I got to get rid of this. I need to just set up some massive queue it up booth and just say, all right, everything is, 20% off, just take and get away from me. 
yeah, take it to one of the um, one of those APA events or something at the Westgate. Set up your own booth and just boom, get rid of it all. Well, yeah, maybe Jacoby will let me uh, just take over their booth and they could just take a two week <laughs> vacation and and uh, in Las Vegas and I'll just sell off all my all my crap. <laughs> sell none of their stuff, but all of yours. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, right? So, all right, uh, we talked a little bit about the event. David Alkaidi joins the uh, the winner circle again. It's been a little while since he's won an event. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Seems like a couple, maybe since the last time he won the Masters. Maybe. I'm struggling to think of. Uh, I'm struggling to think of one that he's won since then. Um, yeah, At maybe least, you know of note. Probably but, is. Yeah. yeah, he gets uh, gets back to the winner circle. Um, Beats, uh, and I, you'll have to help me with this because I don't know who this is. Phil uh, Burford, monster player. He's he's unbelievable. Yeah. He's one of the best British he's, players at the moment. He just doesn't play on the circuit, um, but he's like class. Um, he did is he play nine ball or is the English eight ball nine ball, uh, and then he he played. He used to go. He went to the states quite a bit, but that we're talking maybe mid two thousands or something, maybe something like that okay uh and he won a couple of events over there he's beaten like everybody at one point or another um he's just a top class player top class really is well he lost hill hill in the finals to david alkaidi and he beat david alkaidi earlier on in the tournament so the guy can obviously play beat him eight to five in the second round right right oh it was phil that beat him. not 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 jack wheeling it was phil i thought you said earlier it was jack Oh no no Phil oh, Phil, Phil. Uh, yeah Phil beat David Alkaidi in the second round and David Alkaidi goes on a run on the B side gets back to the single elimination and uh, yeah it's a horrible draw it's, it's a horrible draw really because Phil's um, unseeded and then David runs into yeah. him so you know it's a horrible draw it's no it looks like Phil Cedar was the third had the thirty two the thirty second seed it looks like Phil did yeah it looks like it okay um but so somehow you know, somehow he had the 32. yeah he should be obviously way way higher than that in that field sure. you know he should be in the top two or three seats uh and then they would have avoided each other i think um and if i remember yeah. i think adam smith is a pretty pretty class player too right adam is yeah he's got just he's like a really powerful player um just really really solid um I wouldn't be surprised at all if you saw him doing something, um, getting his name right up there at something big in the future. Really good player. Sure. Did you watch the uh, final? Uh, I watched. I watched a bit of it. <laughs> Which bit? Uh, the eight ball was fun. The eight ball was fun. <laughs> I don't think that everybody thinks the eight ball was fun, but I think some people find <laughs> the eight ball fun. <laughs> I mean, that's. So this is, and this is, I mean, if I could go on a little rant here, this is the part that really bothers me about nine ball and players like us. Because something like this will happen and everyone will be like, oh, this is why you can't play ball. This is bullshit. You shouldn't have something like that hill hill to, to you know, to decide the, the tournament. And it's like, sure. I mean, is that a good look? Not really. It's, it's you know, it's kind of, it's kind of crappy, but at, at the same time, it's like, it's the game, you know, did, did Phil make any mistakes? Yeah, did Phil make any mistakes that, you know, earlier on in the set that, you know, if he wouldn't have made that mistake, it, it would have never got down to that? I'd... 
Well, he's missed. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. He had a chance to win. A carom on the two ball uh, under the nine, and that was in the last track. Um, so he had his chance. Yeah. I'm sure he'd tell you that. Um, but it's, um, yeah, horrible. <laughs> it is horrible it's way a, to, to lose. It's but. an ugly eight ball. It's, it's ugly. It's an ugly eight ball. It, it's, it's ugly. It's really happen more but, often when the pockets are cut like that. You know, it's it's going to happen. Um, but if but if that happened in rack number three, nobody would care. Is my point. Phil might care. You know, the fact that it happened where, well, I'm saying I'm saying everybody <laughs> who's saying we should be playing time ball or or call pocket nine ball, right? I mean that if that happened in rack three, nobody would care. I mean, nobody would be saying this now. It's it's just because it happened, and that literally was Hill Hill, and that was the reason why he won. I mean, that's it's I'm not. not the, I'm, it's just the game, you know. I, I I'm not a fan of changing the the game. That if we wanted to play ten ball, we could play ten ball. I mean, Predator offers that. You don't have yeah. to play the these events, right? Yeah, luck plays so, its part. Plays its part in every sport, um, but or in a lot of sports anyway. But it was just unfortunate. But I will say, I was a. I have a, I have a four. I'm assuming that this is the four inch table that you were talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I've played on this table before, or sorry, I've played on a four inch table before. There's no such thing as an easy shot on any four inch table. No. But that eight ball was pretty easy. (laughs) (sighs) He got lucky. Put it under the six. Because it was, it was, it was dead straight in. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's, um, you know, David didn't look comfortable the whole way through the tournament. I stopped and watched him play a few times, <clears throat> and he didn't look comfortable. He definitely won with his B game, definitely. Uh, but that's a mark of, you know, those top quality players. They can win with their B game. Um, he hit a gear in one of his earlier matches, but I think after that, he probably didn't get near his top level, his top gear. Um, but his class acts. You can't say he didn't deserve to win. You know, that's just one shot out of like a thousand that he's yeah. played over the weekend. It just came, like you said, at that moment, um, which is a bit of a kick in the ball to Phil, but. Yeah, yeah a bit. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, uh, Phil handled it like an absolute champion. He walked yeah. straight up to him afterwards and he's laughing with them. I mean, sometimes you got to laugh just to stop from crying, but. <laughs> what else can you I do? Mean, he handled he handled as well as, well as he could. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Phil knows better than anybody, especially in that field, that these things happen. Even though a lot of the American people might not know of him, um, he's got a ton of experience and he is a great player. Um, So he'll have had that happen to him before, I'm sure. Um, And it might take him a couple of days to get over it. It'll happen again. It'll happen again. It'll happen again. Yep. I mean, you've won enough tournaments. I've won enough tournaments in my day to know that – Actually, I don't. Have you won enough tournaments? And I'm not saying this like literally as like a slight. Like, like, I don't. I don't sure you, oh, not nine ball. You've events. had to have won plenty of amateur events, right? Nine did, ball. Did events. you really have much of it? I've never no, played no, just anything. Just anything. I've never played amateur nine ball. I played. Oh, I just mean. I mean anything. I mean anything. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. English eight. Growing up playing, stuff. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've won plenty of those, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I. I I would assume because I mean the way you cue the balls, you have to be. But I also don't know what the scene is over there. I don't know how tough their their tournaments are, or how you know. Do they have like weekly pub tournaments, or do they have you know tournaments that you could show up to on the weekends? And you know the best player in there is like going to run two out of ten racks or something like that. I mean, how what is the scene like that over there? 
where I live, there is no stadium. I've got the only table. I, I live well, in tiny little yes, islands, but yes, in the UK, yeah, yeah. I think there are amateur events and stuff. Um, you still get there's still really good amateur players. I don't know what the difference is between an amateur and a pro, anyway, to be honest. Um, but there's still Some, plenty of yeah, good somebody who has enough sponsors to make a living <laughs> versus somebody who has enough talent but can't but can't yeah, uh, keep their finances in check. Yeah, if you've if you've got rich parents, which quite a lot of people seem to have, <laughs> then um, yeah, you can probably you can probably fade it as a as a pro for as long as you need to, but you're not going to get anywhere. There's plenty of people like that around. Yeah, but anyways, uh, where else going with this? Um, I mean, I've won enough tournaments. You've won enough tournaments. You don't always have your best game, and, and you, you know we've all played a tournament or two where you know you just run over everybody that you play. Nobody gets past two or three frames against you, and you, you nobody stands a chance, right? You've you've yeah. played that gear, and and you've also played it where it doesn't matter who you're playing against, whether you're playing against a 300 Fargo or an 800 Fargo. Uh-huh. Uh, if you win, it just seems like the hardest match you've ever played in your entire life. And you have seven of those in a row and you end up snapping off the tournament, uh, even though, you know, you're not bringing your best game. I mean, part of part of being a champion is learning how to win, whether it's going well or whether it's going bad. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of players out there that, uh, you know, I think Joshua Filler does this better than everybody. Uh, whether he's playing his best game or whether he's playing his worst game, he just seems to grind better than most. Right. He, you're Definitely. not you're never going to be Joshua. You're never going to be Joshua Filler because he rolls over and dies. No, you're going to no. beat him because you because you've worked your butt off for an hour and a half and you grind it out as much as you could possibly grind out. Yeah. And that's but then, you, you know, you, you see some of the players. Uh, who's a good example of this? Well, I mean, not, not throwing anybody under the bus or trying to. But Mieszko Fortunski was kind of like this, where like if his game was on. He'll run you right over. I mean, he has that ability, but also when things are grinding and he's not playing quite his best game, he seems to he seems to not be able to exist in matches as as, as easily oh, as okay. other players. Okay, right. Where David, I mean, if you're not playing your best game, it, it, you did this too, right? If you're grinding your stuff out, I mean, you can make it deep into tournaments, even with your B game or even your C game. Just being able to grind out your uh, your matches, right? Yeah, yeah. You just got to be accepting of. It's taken me way too long to realize it. But you've got to be accepting that you're not. How often are you going to turn up to a tournament, especially high caliber, you know, professional tournaments with really good players? How often are you going to turn up to one of those and play your absolute A game? It might for the wow, best best players. Well, the, 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 for the very best guys, they might only do that a handful of time in their career. You know, they're very top gear. It might only happen a handful of times if they're lucky. Most of the time, people are grinding things out with like the B plus or A minus game and winning tournaments. Um, it's the way it has to be. Well, I mean, if you just look at it like mathematically, and of course, you know, anybody who's new to the podcast, I am a mathematician by trade. That's what I have my degree in. Uh, when you're talking standard deviations, if you're talking about an exact bell curve, right? And, you know, you can make the argument whether or not your game is an exact bell curve. Let's just, for argument's sake, say it is. Uh, if you play one standard deviation above your average game, you're only going to be able to maintain that 30, uh, 66%, so like 34% of the time. Okay. Uh, if you're playing two you're playing two standard deviations above your average game, you're at 95%. So you're only going to be able to maintain that 5% of the time. Mm. If you're playing three standard deviations, which I guess would be like dead stroke, maybe, maybe two standard deviations is dead stroke. I don't know exactly where you'd put it, but you can only maintain that 5% of the time. Like and you have them. to play your worst game then 5% of the time. So... I mean, can can you maintain ninety five percent of thirty seven percent? Shut up, Chris. 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure that's right. It's a six. It's a 66, 95, 99.6% rule. So if you play three standard deviations above your your uh, your bell curve average, you're you're looking at 0.4%. Somebody can fact check that. I'm pretty sure that's true. 66, 95, 99.6. Somebody fact check. That's that. how standard deviations work. <laughs> <laughs> someone fact check that <laughs> but no i mean that's i mean if you if you just look at your game as a bell curve i mean how, how often can you play your absolute top here well yeah yeah so many things so many things have got to align for you to you know your brain to get into the right spot where you can really start flowing and playing good you know so, so many things involved mm -hmm. and 99 percent of those things are nothing to do with pool you know it's all life sure. stuff you know it's got nothing to do with the game at all uh, those things are, are the biggest influence probably yeah uh so yeah the, the best players in the world are players that can win all over their bell curve because i mean when you when you look at a bell curve you're going to spend exactly as much time in the bottom quarter as you are in the top quarter that's, that's yeah yeah that's how it works yeah. yeah so the players who can play in the top in the bottom quarter of their game and still win are the players who are gonna you know and, that, and then it becomes a mental thing. You know, we, we brought Niels on last week. How lucky are the podcast listeners? They got four podcasts last week. Four. Wow. Four podcasts. And one of them was bringing on Niels to talk about, and, you know, with his mental coaching, being able to keep yourself mentally composed enough to know that you can still get it done when you're playing your, your bottom, you know, quarter percent of your game. You got to spend a lot. You got to spend some time there. If You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. being I mean, able to win there is still important. If there's anybody to listen to on that sort of stuff, there's nobody. There can't be anybody better than Niels. I wouldn't think he's explored every corner of you know. He's explored everything to try and just get eke out a little half a percent here or there. Yeah, um, both both as a researcher and as a player, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, um, but he doesn't leave any stone unturned, and he can still only win tournaments like less than five percent of the time, probably way less than 5% maybe. Um, so it just shows you how difficult it is. It's, it's mad how hard it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, uh, I don't know. Let's, let's get back to the uh, McGoldrick's Jacoby nine ball open. Uh, first place was four, uh, 4,000 pounds. Uh, was this a matchroom ranking event? Yeah. It I'm not sure been, so how do you yeah. transfer the pounds? So you just do the, the the standard conversion, I assume. Matchroom at the at the beginning of each season, Matchroom set a conversion rate, and then sure. that's stuck in place for twelve months. So it doesn't matter what happens between the dollar and the pound okay. and everything else. Sure, sure. Um, so I, I can't remember what they said at one point three or something. I can't I can't remember. Well, if if it's one point three, that's really good for David because at the beginning of the year, I believe it was closer to one point one five. For a while, the, the pound and the, the dollar were very, like, getting extremely close. This was when the, the U.S. dollar actually went over the euro for a hot second. Right, right, and at, right. And at, the, and at that same time, I think the pound was down to, like, a 1.15. Because I, um, I booked my flight. Um, yeah, I booked my flight, actually, for uh, uh, the Moscone Cup. And I actually booked it in pounds. I, I turned on my, uh, uh, my VPN and actually went yeah. to the U.K. Because I was going to end up saving, like, $70 or something like that by paying yeah, pounds yeah. versus dollars. Yeah. So I, yeah, I actually, I, because it was so low at the time. So if it's 1.3, that's pretty good for David. It's on the website. I can't remember. It's something like that, but they lock it in at the, at the beginning. Yes, um, so yeah, whatever that's Mark and Betts do, that'll be, that'll be the ranking points. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's, that's smart. The semis, who was in the semis? Jack. Uh, it was uh, Jack, Jack Whalen and uh, Dimitri Jungo. Yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, uh, Phil Burford gets second. David Alkaide is your champion. Third place, third, fourth goes to Dimitri Jungo and uh, Jack Whelan. Fifth through eighth goes to Mickey Krause, Elliot Sanderson, uh, Paul Corrigan, and Christ Elixiander. Elixiander. I played crap. I should have been in the semis. I was Chris awful. Alexander terrible. gets fifth through eighth. I was terrible. I was so bad. So bad. If, if I'm not mistaken, this is your highest finish in a match from a ranking. You did get 9th through 12th. Uh, was it 9th through 12th? or uh, 9th through 16th, I guess, would have been. Didn't you do that in the UK Open a couple of years ago? No. The, the, the first one? No. Um, you made a I run think, in something. Um, 32nd, I think, in that one, or 33rd or whatever it is. I finished 33rd in four of them, I think. Um I never got beyond that in the majors in the Romania. I think I finished ninth in Romania once or twi twice, once, twice. I can't remember the Bucharest open. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I remember you making a, a pretty deep run in one of them. Not deep enough. <laughs> it's not, uh, it's not even taking us. It's not even taking the sting out of the costs of doing things. I'm hemorrhaging money left, right and center trying to, trying to do this. It's a nightmare. <laughs> Well, this one, I, you had to be pretty close to breaking even on this one, didn't you? Uh, with a uh, quarter pound. Oh, so you only 700 pounds. Oh, no, you had a, yeah, yeah, 700 pounds. So. Yeah, 700 quid, yeah. Yeah, that, um, that'll pay for about your hotel and half a flight. Yeah. I don't even think about it, to be honest. I don't even it think might not even it. cover your bar tab. <laughs> might not. Nah, you know what? <laughs> the, the scheduling has been so weird. So I played... My first game on Friday night, I went on at midnight. My second game, I played on Saturday. I went on at half past 11 at night. Um, so, you know, the first two days I'd played, my matches started three hours late. The scheduling was all over the place. They hadn't allotted enough time for each match. Um, sure. So it became um, a bit challenging for everybody. Um, well, I think... Um... I think, and this is, this is, I mean, it's good for the top end pros, like for the, for the, the best events in the world, uh, you know, the UK open, the U S open stuff like that. It, it pays to have it on four and a, four to four and a quarter inch pockets. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you have a bunch of like, I, I'm assuming that there was a ton, a ton of dead money in this tournament. I'm looking what's at, the, I'm looking. What's dead money to you? People that can't get the last 16. People that are like struggling to win a match. Like people that people that are, they have a better chance of getting whitewashed than they do winning three games in a set. No, there were not, not many of them. Not too many of them. Out of the 96, the people that would be incapable of making it to the last 16, maybe four, maybe 40% of the field or something, maybe. Maybe something okay. like that. Well, then 40% of the field, if they're, I mean, that, that to me sounds like at least 20% is dead money, one in five. It's the same in every. It's it's the same in every tournament at every level, though, isn't it? Well, sure, but but what I what I'm referring to in this tournament specifically is this is not this is not a top heavy field to begin with, right? No, it's not. No. So so if you have twenty percent of this field on a, on an already pretty weak field as dead yeah. money, playing on four and a quarter inch pockets, you know, there's going to be a lot of players who are playing against each other that are, 
you know, neither one of them can break and run a rack on this table. It's just too tough. It's getting and rid of they, those past two losers rounds, isn't it? That's exactly it, right? I mean, yeah, that, and that's my point, right? Is You could have in a race to – and luckily it was only a race to six, but you could have a race to six with two, you know, ball-banging amateurs that could last two hours on these tables. They did. You know, so, uh, a lot of the games did go that, that length. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah I'm, right. I'm guessing most of them were in the first three rounds on the B side. Once you got once you get to that point, they kind of work themselves out, and they're probably down to about an hour and a quarter to. Yeah, and, and that's something like that. Right? Yeah, that that is the killer. Um, but it might um, it might serve everybody better if they move the knockout round to last thirty two rather than the last sixteen, something like that. You know, just gets, yeah, just uh, just to try to get rid of that two extra yeah. rounds of the B side. Yeah, it gets gets rid of a lot of fluff, um, and um, the same people are probably still going to come through to the to the last six. You know, there's like there's probably ten players in that field who are pretty much nailed on to get to the last sixteen, I'd say, and then you know maybe five or you know maybe another twelve or. 12 to 20 players maybe vying for those extra six spots. Um, yeah, I'm trying to look all... through here to see if there's any names that I recognize that should have made it that didn't. Uh, hey, Mr. James Jack was there. What a champion. He made it farther than he should have. <laughs> did he? Yeah. How far did he get? Oh, I think he got uh, I think he got three rounds into the B-side, two rounds into the B-side before losing. Well, no, I'll tell you what. Uh, Tom Tom uh, Stavali, I believe that's Stavali. He's a great player. <laughs> Stavely, like yeah, he's good lad. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's, a good player. Uh, he's a good player. He should be there. Um, James he Jack. Lost, he lost to Graham Graham Hickman. Yeah, um, who I think is a pretty good player. I don't know who James lost to in the end, but he's just a lunatic, um, and he beats himself almost every time. I've spoken <laughs> to him about it so many times. Have you seen him play? Uh, yeah, I think I think we play pretty pretty similarly. I think, and that might that probably shouldn't be the case because he's playing as bad as I'm not saying you in particular, but whatever. If if you've got similar Fargos, he should be playing like fifty points above whatever his Fargo is ability wise. Certainly, well, I, I never I never play so. The, uh... Yeah, but he's uh, he beats himself <laughs> every single time. It's crazy to watch him. If you watch him play a match, nine times out of ten, if you watch, you're just waiting for him to implode. It's um, it's crazy, but he takes it so well afterwards that it's not, you know, he gets over it pretty quick. But he's a lunatic. That's, so he's got one thousand nine hundred and two games in the system. So that's mm. a, a lot of games in the system. He's a six seventy Fargo. He's not. No, this is what I'm saying. He's he's playing so far below his level that I've, I I found it annoying when I first met him and watched some of his games and I spoke to him about it. I found it annoying because he was just throwing shit away left, right and centre <laughs> to the point where it was starting I, to annoy me. Um, but it's just who he is. I have, yeah. have 5,000 games in the system and a 677. Wow, so you were, you were right then. You really are close. Um, yeah. But he but he plays so far beneath his ability. It's not. It's not real. It's, it's crazy. It's just a lunatic. And meanwhile, meanwhile, uh, Mike Page is over here rolling in his grave, just 
well, not grave, just rolling around saying, what the hell is this? You are what your numbers say you are. <laughs> you are what your numbers say you are. And that is that is who James is. <laughs> um, but if he could if he could just knuckle down even just a little bit more, he'd be so much better. So much better. He'd be yeah, capable of beating yeah. almost anybody, but he's just a madman. He's a madman. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, um, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to talk about for that tournament? Um who did who, who, who beat Mickey Kraus? Phil. Mickey Kraus. Yeah, I believe I believe that's right. Um, Mickey Kraus. Mickey Kraus. Mickey Kraus lost to Phil. Yeah, Hill Hill. In what what round is that? Uh, looks like the quarterfinals. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't see him play all weekend. Uh, the same round as you. The same the, the okay. same round you played. So yeah, the quarterfinals. I guess. Yeah. I, I, I didn't see him play all weekends. Um, I'm trying to think, were there any other big hit, any other good players that didn't get through to the last 16? Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, was, I, I don't know a lot of who these players are. Uh, I'd just be honest with you because I, I would assume there are a lot of transfers, like you said. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at this, and I, I know that Tom plays really, really, really good. Tom you plays, know, plays, yeah, Tom, Tom plays really, really good. Um, I think John he plays – I think he plays right around probably 740, 750, right, Tom? Something like I that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't I, I don't know any You of don't know the system well no. enough. No. Um John McAllister, he was in it. He was World Eight Ball champion um a few years ago. He's played more of the events. Um it's just a matter of time before oh, so Tom yeah, Tom only plays about seven hundred then. Oh, okay. Um John McAllister's he's gonna be really good um it's just waiting for something to click i'm not sure what it is um yeah. i don't know whether he's got access to practice a lot or, or what it is but um yeah he could be doing a lot better um i don't know the rest of the fields mr del sim was there how much fun is that del was there uh del was there they he ran out of they ran out of madry after two days um, <laughs> so no doubt that's down to him. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I'm looking at this. I don't, I don't see any names that are like huge surprises that they didn't make it. Um, there's a couple of Polish players. I mean, you never know who, you know, the Polish players are. They could be, you know, the next the next Daniel uh, Maciel, or they might be, you know, just some banger. You know, nobody's heard of Daniel. Bart something. Bart's. But Saplo or something. Uh, there, yeah, there was. Yeah, I've seen his name before. I don't know. Have you heard of him before? No. no. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't know if he's. A, I don't know then if he's a UK-based Polish person or if he's a an actual, you know, one of the Polish crew that travels around. I don't know, uh, but I have seen his name before. Yeah. Who was the other uh, Polish person? Oh, there's there's a few. Oh, there's was a few oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, there was um, uh, Marcel Trudnowski. Uh, what, you really got to ask about the Polish guys. You really, really? So I got to go through and try to pronounce a bunch of Polish names. How can you not pronounce them? You used to have a Poland flag. You wearing Poland t-shirts and stuff. Kid doesn't mean I can. Doesn't mean I can't. Doesn't mean I can pronounce it. Jesus. Um, yeah, you got the Bart um, uh, Victold Zorowski. 
Uh, actually, there's there's two Polish guys that drew each other first round. How how brutal is that? <laughs> Do you know who played? Do you remember Shane played in the UK Open, and that guy came out dressed as like Duff, had a cape on, and stuff. yeah, <laughs> that guy yeah. plays. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, he. How did he do? Him, he played James Jack first round, and um, well, from what I heard, it nearly, it nearly turned into nearly turned into a fight. From what I heard, um, really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly what was going on, but this is what I'm talking about with James. He, um, the smallest thing, will send him west, like gone. Um, so I can't. I, I'm. I did hear some stuff, but I'm not going to repeat it. That's, you will off air. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Then you can tell everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I got no problem with that. That sounds fun. <laughs> did, uh, uh, he did, was, uh, James must have told him his shirt suck or something. No, it was. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to. I think that was it, really. I've pe- Marcel Price. He's somebody that should be getting to the last sixteen. Do you know Marcel? Yep, yep. Yeah, so he used to play snooker for Wales and stuff. He's a good player, um, but I think he might have gone like two and out or something this time around. I don't know what happened to him. Um, don't know what happened to him. Sometimes you just sometimes you're just not feeling it, right? Did it? Did David beat Imran in this? Last sixteen or the courses in the finals, yeah, yeah. In, in the yep. which which bit? Sorry, in the last sixteen. In the, or last, the last, yeah, the last sixteen. In or the last whatever, 16. whatever the yeah, the First last sixteen. Yeah. Eight, yeah. Uh, David beat him eight to one. Yeah, he he, he ran over him. Um, who beat Elliot? I can't remember who beat Elliot Sanderson. Uh, he was beat by that um, uh, the Jack. Jack Whelan. Oh, of course, yeah. In eight, the last, in the last sixteen, Elliot was down seven to two to JJ Fall. JJ, yeah, he was he was down seven to two, and he um, he managed to bring it back and and win eight seven, um, and then he gave it his usual celebration squeal after he's <laughs> after he after he'd won. He is known as the Howler, huh? I, I, it's this. What's he got on the back of his shirt? I can't remember now. I think it's the Howler. The Howler? No. Yes. Yeah. Is it? Pretty sure. Yeah. Pretty sure that's it. Um, the screamer. Sorry, is yeah. it the screamer? The screamer. The shouter. Oh, maybe it's the shouter. Maybe it's the shouter. I just called him the squealer. But he does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it, it's it's difficult for, for Elliot. Elliot's such a nice guy. Um, uh, he's a great guy, and he, he does um, a lot of stuff with Jacoby as well. Um, and obviously, he's yeah. the house pro at McGoldrick's, um, so they sponsor him. Uh, Paul Corrigan sponsors him, um, but it was difficult for Elliot because he's kind of half organising the tournament and half trying to play, um, which is yeah. like just pointless. You know, I, I there's a. There's maybe six or seven events up here a year. So there's a Scottish series and then there's two uh, matchroom events are up here. But I was talking to him last night and as frustrating as it is for him, I told him that he just has to write write those events off 
just don't expect anything from yourself because you're trying to run them at or, the same time. Or just find somebody locally to hire them for a hundred quid and just tell them, hey, not, do this so I can focus. Yeah, I, I don't think he can help himself. I think that's the sure. problem. Sure. I think he, he feels responsible, um, which is obviously a great thing, a great trait to have. Um, but he can't, he can't focus 100% on playing, so it's yeah. always going to be difficult for him up here. Sure, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, uh, props to Jacoby. Uh, obviously, Jacoby is the, uh, the number one sponsor of this podcast. Uh, they do incredible things to help us continue doing this, so we, uh, we always love them. And uh, going back to your conversation earlier, or our conversation earlier about how uh, cool cues don't make a difference, I'm going to prove you wrong by showing you how sweet this ad is for the cue of the year in 2022. So check this out. Telling you what, Chris, you had that cue, and you'd be, you'd be like spot and fader of the six. It's all personal preference, right? They make some not with that cue, huh? Not with not that cue. They make yeah, some very, very, very nice cues. The tra- I like the traditional look of a cue, just with like four splices, pretty plain, nothing too jazzy going on. That had all sorts of funkiness going on there jazzies <laughs> the, the, the workmanship the craft that goes into making those things is obviously unbelievable uh, and you know you can just tell looking at that you know all the cnc work and things that the bits that have gone into it, it looks amazing um but yeah not one for me nice so it's nice it's incredible incredible, incredible. yeah incredible yeah. is that a cue you can buy someone's just asking how much it is yeah, yeah, you can buy that. I believe so. There's two cues: uh, the yin and the yang. Uh, I believe they're twenty thousand dollars each. Okay, you're paying for all of that craftsmanship, aren't you? That's what sure. You're paying. Yeah, of course, right. Is that just a one-off? There's no. Yeah, one-off. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's it's not so. One of the so series. Jacob... One. No, no, no. Jacoby Custom Cues uh, builds a queue of the year every single year. Uh, okay. Submission. So at the Super Billiards Expo, they do a queue of the year. So all of the companies that want to 
put a queue out there for it, they can put it out there. Usually they have between five and 20 queues, just depending on the year. Mostly they're right around 10 to 15. Uh, and everybody that's at the Super Billiards Expo can take a vote on who they think was the best made queue of uh, the year. Uh, Jim is very rude. And uh, Jacoby, for I think I, be, I believe now 15 years straight, has either has either had the queue of the year or has been runner up. And I believe they've won seven of those years. Wow. So so they have uh, seven out of 14 years. Yes. Uh, they won it last year with the uh, the King Arthur queue, which was absolutely insanely beautiful. Uh, and there's actually a video for it online. They, they basically do like a time lapse of the entire creation of the queue. Okay, I'll put that on my YouTube watch list. Yeah, I, I will send you that. Actually, here, I'll put the yeah. link out. Okay, fine. I can uh, put the link out. Um, gonna have to find it, but shouldn't be a problem. So that, the, um, what did you say it was called? Queue Maker Awards or Queue of the Year? Queue of the Year, yeah? Queue of the Year, yeah, yeah. That's for the smaller manufacturer. When I say smaller, we're not on about the mass production companies, your Qtex and Predators. They stay out of it. They can, they can submit one if they, well, they can have, they can submit one if they want to, but they haven't historically. Yeah, because they're up against. It's a different. It's a completely different thing, right? Well, as respectful as you can say it as possible, um, they don't care, right? They're just trying to get your. Those production companies are trying to get the money out of your pocket. And rightly so, we need those companies. They're the companies that are that can sponsor the big events. Jacoby, you know, obviously sponsored sponsored this event and put a lot of their own profits into. He does a little bit of both, right? Yeah, they do a little bit of both. But like the 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 bigger companies like that, they're just they don't. It's not art to them, right? It's business to them. Where Jacoby, it's closer to art. You know, it's both. It's business and art. And yeah, I, I mean. Yeah. The, the bigger companies yeah. just don't care that much about it. And that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just just is what it is. Yeah, yeah. They're not the same thing, are they? Not, not the same thing. No. Uh, Elliot um sponsored by Jacoby and he sells a lot of equipment for them. Um and he sold a queue to, to a guy last night and I had a look at it. I was hitting some balls with it and I thought, oh, feels lovely. It's got like the the shaft has got like a hundred and forty eight separate laminates or something 128 or 148 yeah when you look at it up close it's unreal you know how thin each of those laminate pieces is it's, it's unbelievable um the skill the that work, goes yeah, into the work it, they do is incredible it's un- unbelievable what they do unbelievable yeah uh yeah i'm gonna try to pull this up i do want to i do want to give uh Condolences to the Jacoby family. I know we've yeah. talked a lot about them in the last little bit, but they sponsored the event. So um, condolences to their family. They did lose the original owner, uh, David Jacoby. Um, this is a great man. I mean, every he was at every single booth pretty much that they had. He was always the guy in the corner taking a nap. Uh, could never get him to do any work. He was also the happiest guy you're ever going to find, uh, come across. I mean, he started the company. I mean, he built it out of his, his garage and then his basement. Uh, Basically, uh, back in like the seventies, we've had a podcast with him and Brandon on where we talked about the creation of it. It's it's fantastic to to uh, to go back. Maybe I should probably pull that up out of the archives and release it again so that people can yeah uh, kind of do what he did. Yeah, I, yeah I, th- I think that's a good idea. I'll probably end up doing that. Um, 
but uh, in, as I'm finding this link, so that's good. Uh, here is the link if anybody wants to watch that cue design of the the King Arthur, which was honestly, if you have five minutes of your day, you're not gonna you're not gonna be upset. Just watching the work that goes into building a queue like this, it's absolutely fantastic. So here's a link. Uh, but yeah, great man. Built a great company, does a lot for the game, gives back to a lot of different people, organizations, businesses to to allow them to uh, succeed in this industry. So family-owned business that uh, turned big enough to help the industry. So that's that's huge shout-out to them. Uh, huge shout-out to David for what he's built, and he's going to be missed. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh, Brandon was supposed to be at the event this week, but obviously he couldn't because it was dad's passing. Um, so, um, they, they made a little speech last night. I don't know if it was caught on video after the final, um, about David and the company and, you know, all that they've done. Um, and, you know, over the last couple of weeks, I, it was, I think it was quite well known that he was ill. You know, I spoke to maybe five or six different people about him um, and nobody has got anything but just great things to say about him. And that's pretty rare in today's world. So especially in this industry. Yeah, especially. Yeah, especially, mate. So that um, you can't get a better. Um, yeah, it's just sad. But yeah, if you go back and look at the uh, the um, the post that they made about the passing of David and you look at how many shares it has and you can look in there there are q companies that are like i mean there are dozens of q companies that are sharing this post based off of what he's done for their you know the pandemic use for jacoby right? yeah yeah the, he helped the other use yeah. for predator those yeah. are made by jacoby a lot of yeah, them, yeah, yeah. those are made by jacoby jacoby makes a lot of predator cues they're especially yeah. their high-end ones it's the high they did a lot of work for a lot of different companies so yeah yeah um i'm sure it's all in safe hands though the company going forward um brandon's been doing the manufacturing side of the business for a long, for a long time years. from what yeah. i understand so yeah. there won't be any there won't be any change in terms of the quality of the products they're putting out there won't be any any change there at all yeah well with that uh i don't know anything else you want to uh talk about this week Mick Hill played Bustamante. Sure. Mick Hill, who you don't know. <laughs> yeah, you said uh, the greatest cueist of all time has uh, got smashed I by, by 55 racks. I said he's, he's one of the best pool players of all time. You're just not educated and well-rounded enough to know who he is. <laughs> but he, he played Bustamante in Manila, uh, race to 90. And I think he got beat by, they were playing eight ball. Um, and he got beat by like 10 or 12 frames or something in the end. But apparently on one of the days, Busty just caught a crazy gear. Um, it would be good to see Mick Hill play more of these events. I, I'm um, aware of the fact that as I'm saying this, that if you don't know who he is, then nobody else apart from Jim probably knows what I'm talking about either. Um so yeah, he's just said there. Mick got killed by his break, and he he did. Um, but he's such an extraordinarily talented player. Um, I just hope we see him play some some matchroom nine ball stuff. I really do. He's phenomenal. Really, really is. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, anything else you want to say about that one? Nope. 
Okay, name. let's let's tune off for the week. But uh, first, I want to give a shout out to the Patreons that uh, help support this show and allow us to keep doing what we're doing. So, uh, Double Dave Q's, Dave Wiersma, Mo Bashir, Cody Wedig, Ed Ladawi, Matt Poland, and Morgan Lupton. These are the uh, patrons that help us continue doing this the show. If you would like to become a patron and help the show continue, uh, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash cue it up podcast. And I can drop that. Uh, that is always actually in the description of the show. So I will put that into the comments. Uh, this basically just helps us continue doing what we're doing. So if, if that's something of interest to you, you can click that link right there. Go sign yourself up. You get some uh, pretty sweet uh bonuses for being a part of it as well but mostly you're just helping out the show continue so with that chris thanks for joining me today jim go enjoy your uh uh your vacation you smell funny and you're dumb he'll be what time is it i think it's probably nearly eight o'clock in turkey so he will be a dozen beers deep by this point and probably sunburnt to a crisp yeah, he's probably he's probably trying to fight the pool boy right now for uh, looking at him funny. And... He'd be strolling around in his budgie smugglers with a with a beer in his hands. <laughs> Try... <laughs> probably sound yeah, that's probably pretty close to right. It's that yeah, sounds 100%. like Jim. So hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, you enjoy yourself, Jim. Don't get uh, don't get too much fun over there. In, in, he's in Ankara. I see somewhere out there. Um... Somewhere in Tur- somewhere in Turkey. Somewhere, somewhere in Turkey. Yeah. 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 All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Cheers.